Recovery Elevator, episode 447. I honestly didn't think that alcohol was a problem or that it was causing a problem for me until I tried to stop drinking alcohol. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Listeners, on today's episode, we have Stephanie. She's 35 years old from Washington State and took her last drink on December 31st, 2022. Great job, Stephanie. I want to say thank you to all of our Cafeary chat hosts. You guys do an amazing job. Much appreciated. Listeners, today is going to be a good day. In fact, Today has already been a good day. I'm excited to announce our newest course, Ditching the Booze, Writing a New Narrative. This five-week course helps you explore your sobriety story through journaling and writing prompts. When we drink, it's so easy to get caught up in the roller coaster of thoughts, feelings, and emotions running through our minds. Writing helps to get out of your head, unpack those old narratives, leave them on the page, and begin a new story. Whether you're on day one or 1,000, this course will help you explore the creative process of writing, reflect on, and unpack your sobriety story in a safe place and establish a journaling practice to carry you forward on this sobriety journey. The course starts Monday, October 2nd at 7.30 p.m. Eastern and runs for five weeks. This course is for Cafe RE members only, and there's a link in the show notes to join Cafe RE. Thank you, Robin. And now let's hear from a fantastic sponsor, Soberlink. Did you know there are 15 million people in the United States with an alcohol use disorder? And yet, there's still a stigma that surrounds addiction and recovery. We need to stop being ashamed and start sharing in our sobriety. That's why we're so excited to have a sponsor like Soberlink who shares in our beliefs. If you haven't heard of Soberlink Alcohol Monitoring System, it's the perfect accountability tool for those in recovery. It can help you rebuild trust and get back on track despite slips or relapses. We've teamed up with Soberlink to provide you with tips for handling a relapse, which is a guide that can be downloaded at www.soberlink.com forward slash recovery dash elevator. On that page, you'll also find a form to sign up for a $50 off promo code for you or a loved one who is ready to take the next steps in their recovery journey. Okay, let's get started. Chris and I are going to do a 10-part podcast intro series where we answer questions from listeners. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the air, send questions to info at recoveryelevator.com. Oh, well, that was fast. The questions are already rolling in. Let me check my inbox. Here we go. Dear Paul, what is your biggest regret while doing the Recovery Elevator podcast? Well, this is an easy one. In 2016 or 2017, I had a listener email me and say, Hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. I am a tour manager for Third Eye Blind. I've got backstage passes for you. Just let me know what show you want to see on their 20th anniversary summer tour. This is a true story. My regret is I didn't go. The answer was I was too busy that summer. Doing what? I don't even remember, but I do know that I would have remembered that concert. (laughs) So again, send us your questions that you'd like answered on the air to info at recoveryelevator.com. Okay, I've already got a question lined up for today's episode, which comes from Brady in South Denver. He says, can you be addicted to alcohol and not be an alcoholic? Great question, Brady. Thank you for listening. So here we go. 
The answer is yes and no, and a little bit of yes with a little bit of no. Welcome to a world full of paradoxes. So to begin answering this, we are going to first cover what goes up, must come down, aka the hangover. Some sources say hangover is dehydration. Yes, this is part of it, but not fully correct. If it was, once you chug a pint of water, the hangover would go away as fast as if you drank a pint of beer. This is called hair of the frog. Kidding, hair of the dog, but I love frogs. One of the reasons why the chemical alcohol is the ultimate punch to the goat blocks is how fast your body begins to shake hands with the chemical alcohol. The physiology of the body begins to alter within a few short hours after taking the first drinks, and your body begins to expect alcohol in your bloodstream for here on out into perpetuity. A hangover is a lot of things, but much of it is your body withdrawing or sending you signals to keep on drinking because your body has reached such a fast homeostasis with a chemical alcohol. If anyone has taken a couple shots in the middle of a crushing hangover, within minutes the hangover is gone, or much better. So a hangover is your body saying, hello, I'm addicted to alcohol, please give me more booze. This happened to me several times before I was an alcoholic, so my short answer is yes, you can be addicted to alcohol without being an alcoholic. Let's cover this more. So some hangover symptoms can be signs of more than the body just craving the chemical alcohol. This would be anxiety or the panic attacks that can come afterward. My first 100 hangovers were just hangovers, but as I crossed that threshold into alcoholism, the hangovers were accompanied with existential fear and anxiety because deep down, I knew the path I was on was going to kill me. I'd say when hangovers are turning into existential crises, then yes, one would be addicted to alcohol and be an alcoholic. There is an obsession with alcohol that is gaining major momentum and the body, mind, soul, and spirit start to yell because they know a change is needed fast. Speaking of the obsession, the big book of AA has this obsession with alcohol as a barometer, saying that an obsession alone towards alcohol would classify one as an alcoholic. Can you be addicted to alcohol and not be an alcoholic? Yes, in the short term, but if I had to say you're drinking on borrowed time, eventually a threshold will be crossed long before you know it, where you're addicted to alcohol and you're an alcoholic, but the thinking mind, your mind, will tell you otherwise. Now, let's throw a wrench into this question. Can you be addicted to alcohol and not be an alcoholic? If you go to AA long enough, you're going to hear someone say, I was an alcoholic long before I took that first drink. Now, what in the hamster fuck does that mean? It means drinking is but a symptom. A symptom of what? Unrest. Symptoms of unprocessed trauma or life events. Symptoms of loneliness or pain. It means people were living life unmedicated, then they took the first drink, and voila, problem solved temporarily. So according to the big book, which has sold over 30 million copies worldwide, is in the top 50 or top 100 best-selling books of all time, depending where you look, one can be an alcoholic before ever taking that first drink or before ever being addicted to alcohol. So I want to sum this up for Brady and South Denver. Short answer is yes. You can be addicted to alcohol without being an alcoholic, but I think the label alcoholic, alcohol use disorder, or external life consequences from drinking are not far down the road. Brady, thank you for the question. And also, listeners, Brady sent me a screenshot of his sobriety tracker. I want to say great job on 32 Days Alcohol Free, my man. Keep it going, Brady. 
Now, before we get to the interview component, I need to say alcohol is the most dangerous drug in the world to detox from. Rest in peace, Amy Winehouse. And next week, Chris is going to answer the question, how do I learn to let go of things and stop trying to control? Hey, that is a good one. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp, before we hear from Stephanie. We all know the importance of sleep and in sobriety, sleep is one of those things that we're able to start to heal. However, I've heard from a few people that even though they're sleeping like babies due to sobriety, they're also really struggling to calm their thoughts and their racing mind as they are trying to unwind for an evening of good sleep. I personally love therapy because as these thoughts come and go, I'm able to put them away in a bucket knowing that I can process them out during my session. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash elevator today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash elevator. Stephanie, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, for sure, Stephanie. I'm excited to get to know you and to share your story with alcohol and the addiction process as also as the departure process from alcohol with our listeners. Let's get right into this, Stephanie. When was your last drink? My last drink was on um, December 31st of 2022. Yeah. Okay. So January 1st, it was on from that moment. And here Mm -hmm. we are at the time of this recording. It's June 30th. Tomorrow is July 1st, which would be six months for you. Congratulations, Stephanie. How does that feel? It feels amazing. Um, I know everybody says like uh, they never thought they would be here, but oh, baby, I never thought I would be here. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I I hear you on that one. I remember the voice. Nope, we can't do this. We'll never make it. Well, here we are, Stephanie fantastic job. I can't wait to hear more about your story. But before we get there, give listeners a little background about yourself, where you're from, what you do for a living, your age, do you have a family? And what do you like to do for fun? Well, I'm currently living in Washington State, but I'm originally from Connecticut. Uh, um, I am an accountant during the week. And on the weekend, I'm a server at a golf course, um, at the golf course restaurant in, in town. For fun, I love, I recently picked up paddleboarding. I've been really into that. Um, And I love to read. I love to read on my own and I have a podcast. So I do a lot of reading for that as well. I do have a son, um, his name, my son, he's nine. He'll be nine in September. Um, And he is my world, of course. And I have a dog, an Australian cattle dog, and she'll be three July 11th. So we're going to have a beach party for her. Yeah. Okay. And you're, you're 35 years old? I am 35, yes. Okay. And before we hit record, you mentioned your podcast. The name of it is What Are You Reading? And you interview yes, authors. Uh, mm-hmm. tell, us a bit, tell us a bit about that. Um, it's called So What Are You Reading? And it is a interview and book recommendation podcast that I host with my best friend, Alicia. Um, we interview guests and we just talk about books. It's just like a, a book club talking about books, your favorite book, books you should read. It's kind of morphed into talking into authors. A lot of we've spoken to a lot of indie authors and they're able to talk about their new projects and get their new book out there. So it's just been a lot of fun being able to talk to people. 
I thought I was when I was drinking. I thought I didn't like people, but apparently I do. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I, I hear you there. Listeners, Stephanie sent me an email a couple of weeks ago um, requesting to be on the podcast. And, and for listeners, there's really no rhyme or reason of how to get on the podcast. It's just luck, synchronicity, coincidence, timing, everything. But there was a line in your email that I want to read with listeners. It was almost a value bomb for you that you said it was myself or Chris who said it, which was, you don't have to have a problem with alcohol to stop drinking. Before we get into your story, uh, talk about that for a minute and and what did that what is, what that means to you? Um, it was just it was such a light bulb moment for me, and I know it kind of sounds dumb, but like I did not think I honestly didn't think that alcohol was a problem or that it was causing a problem for me until I tried to stop drinking alcohol, and I I didn't think. You know, you're in this, everyone talks about your stereotypical alcoholic, you know, with their paper bag living under a bridge kind of thing. But you don't have to get to that point. You don't have to be. And I, when someone, I heard that line, it was such a, a, a bomb for me because I was like, I, it was, I don't like, oh my God, I don't have to do that. I don't have to like crash my car or ruin my life or lose custody of my kid. Like I could just stop like, like that's legal. Like you can really just stop drinking. And I just, it was such a, it was just such a value bomb for me. Stephanie, the stigma regarding alcohol is dangerous on so many fronts, but one of them is when we hear the word alcoholic automatically brown paper bag, homeless living under a bridge comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And we are not an alcoholic. We don't have a problem with alcohol until we hit that internal framework or that idea. Right. And, and, and on this podcast, we've shared hundreds of stories of what an alcoholic or what somebody with a drinking problem or an AUD can look like. And for many, right. Once they realize, wait a second, uh, this progression is way further than I thought it was. I, I, I don't want to get there. Uh, I, I love it, right? It's empowering how people can hear that information and make change in their life. So Stephanie, let's take it from the beginning. If you'd like, when you first take a, took a drink, uh, you know, you're 35 years old. We're about to hit six months tomorrow. Let's leave some time for that recovery component to six months, but go for it. I think I'm a little bit different than people. I did have like my first drink when I was 16 um, with my sister, of course, and her friend. We drank some terrible alcohol 99 something I want to say it was 99 bananas but I remember I got a awful hangover the next day and I was like I'm never doing this again or why do people do this because my sister and my brothers and, and they drink all the time with their friends you know and I was just like I wanted to do it too so but when I after I got the hangover I was like this is awful I don't know why you guys do this and I didn't drink for a really long time until I turned 21 and I didn't really even drink after that drinking was really kind of always in the background, but it wasn't never really something that I always kind of did. You know, it was like people drank. If we were out at a party, I would have a couple of beers, but it never really became an issue until um, maybe like uh, five years ago, a little bit after I moved to Washington. And um, I moved to Washington with my son's father. And then six months later, he broke up with me and I was just living here by myself. And that's when I kind of started using alcohol as uh, like my, it became my friend. It, it was my only friend. I didn't know anybody in Washington. It was just me and my son. So it was me and Moscato. Stephanie, I, I got a question. Would you say you almost forged a relationship with a chemical bond alcohol? Like absolutely. Know, the connection. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, and, and there's another similarity that we heard. You moved to Washington, a relationship mm-hmm. ended, you know, life stressor, huge life stressor, yeah. moving, relationship ending, and then almost you hit you hit the turbo button on the drinking. So yeah, the drinking ramped up, right? Yes, absolutely. Gotcha. Okay, keep going. And then we were after we had broken up, we were kind of still living in this big house that we I could only afford if I if we lived together. So I moved to my own apartment. And that's when my drinking really turned up because I was like living on my own. I was like free. This is what I thought freedom was. I could do what I wanted. There was nobody here to tell me what to do or monitor how much I was drinking. So I just drank a lot all the time. Not not I wouldn't say all the time. I would drink like it was my I was mom wine culture. Total mom. I felt fell deep into that after work, a bottle of wine. That was just my thing. And it started off with like. Moscato drinking a bottle of wine, which isn't very strong wine. And then, you know, you got to turn it. It's not enough. So then you start drinking Pinot Grigio. And then I was like, you know, the wine's a lot of calories. So I'm going to switch to vodka. So I'm going to start drinking vodka. And then I was drinking vodka, but chasing it with seltzer water. So I was like, you know, it's really not that bad because I'm drinking it. And then, you know, I try to put the, the parameters on myself, you know, only drinking on the weekends or only drinking wine, don't have my son. But, you know, the weekend starts on Friday and then it started on Thursday and then it started on Wednesday. And before you knew, I was like buying a bottle of vodka on a Tuesday night and like saying, I'm only going to have a couple of drinks or I'm only going to have a couple of shots. But like when I wake up in the morning, half the bottle would be gone and I would have like a terrible headache. And I'm like just barely getting my son up and out the door for school or I haven't even checked his homework. We haven't done any of the things at night that I was supposed to do. I was just like barely getting by. Yeah, Stephanie, you mentioned mommy wine culture. You have a son who's about to turn nine years old. You said you fell into that. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? And and do you have a message for moms out there who are perhaps in the mommy wine culture and trying oh to quit drinking? Oh my God. Mom wine culture is just like, anytime people, you're stressed out, people are like, mom needs a drink. If you need a, if I've, kids thrown up everywhere up everywhere mom needs a drink you had a stressful day at work mom needs a drink and it's like no mom needs support mom maybe needs a friend mom maybe needs a break mom maybe needs a cry mom maybe needs to go lock herself in the bathroom for a minute and just decompress for a little bit but the mom wine culture is just makes it seem like it's like the vicodin thing in the in the 50s and 60s mommy's little helper where it's like it, they make it seem make you seem like you need to have this thing in order to get through the day or that this substance is going to make everything better after you ingested it or taken it or whatever. But in actuality, it doesn't help at all. It really makes everything so much worse. It makes you so much more anxious. My anxiety when I was drinking was through the roof. Like, I mean, I couldn't even some days I couldn't even leave the house. I couldn't even I couldn't even be outside around people because my anxiety would be so terrible. And that's what the mom wine culture does. It just makes you feel like every like all moms are drinking to get by. And really, that's not true. So with mommy wine culture, I, I'm not a mom. I'm a father to a standard poodle, some goats and some reptiles. <laughs> I have mad respect to parents out there for what you guys do now. And parents need help, especially mothers. 
you know, alcohol is one facet of that, but addiction guru, Dr. Gabra Mate highly advocates for prenatal care. If you want to, if you want to do something about addiction, it has to start with the baby in the womb, mm -hmm. but then, you know, child care, there's countries like Mexico who crush United States of America in terms of, yeah, uh, there's free childcare in Mexico and other countries as well. So for all you mothers out there, I recognize and I and I see it. There's a there's another level of challenges that I don't face. I haven't faced. So so keep doing it. And let's talk about these rules that you put into place. You said you went from I don't remember that you went something to vodka, but then it was only on the weekends, and then the weekend started on Thursday. And then what's up Tuesday night right. vodka? Maybe there's a federal holiday on a Monday. It just keeps mm -hmm. rolling. You know, when you crossed these internal lines in the sand, was there an internal voice, Stephanie, was like, all right, this is moderation technique number six that we have not held in place. Was there a red flag that was raising? For me, in internal, yes. I I knew that I like this was I was like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. When I was drinking I, during the week is when I have my son because he goes with his father on the weekend. So like, I was like, I shouldn't, it's only, I only have him during this time and I'm like not even present enough. You know, I was just taking away from him having a mom there because I would just set him in front of the TV so he can, for him to watch, you know, whatever. And I would be off doing my own thing, drinking my wine on my phone or doing God knows what literally, because I don't even know what I was doing just in my own world. And I knew that that's not like the life that he should be living. Like we we were in the same room, but like in two different worlds. And that's just that was it. I wasn't being fair to him. And I knew that because I knew he was just he's an only child here at my house. And he was just be like alone, even though his mom was there. And that's not fair. Let's talk about that anxiety. You said you couldn't leave the house for a couple of days after after bouts of drinking. I know that palpable feeling. It's it's miserable. How did you deal with that? Or what was that like? It was awful. It was just like you just feel so especially when you can't remember what happened the night before or like when you get home and I mean, everything would be OK, but it would be like, well, how did I even get it here? How did I I don't remember going to bed or I don't remember doing this or waking up to scratches and scrapes. And just it would be so I would feel so awful. Like, what did I say anything or did I do anything? Did I embarrass myself? It was just it was awful. It was not a feeling I would. ever. And that's one of the main reasons why, like why I would never go back, because I don't ever want that feeling. It's so alleviating when you don't feel like that anymore. And I never want to feel like that again. It just you're like afraid of the world. You're afraid and and you, you don't you don't even want to go outside. And I live like. I live in a pretty safe area. Like there's really nothing to be afraid of to go outside. And I was literally afraid to walk out the door. Like I didn't want people to look at me I, in town. I mean, there's only a couple of bars in town. So if you make an ass out of yourself at the bar, you're definitely going to see somebody in town that someone's seen you at the bar last night making an ass out of yourself. And it's like, do I want to see somebody at the gas station? They're like, yeah, that girl last night at the bar. Yeah. You know, mm. and I just it was awful. Yeah. Stephanie, in your email, you had a line that I wanted to ask you about. It says, I loved the chaos that came with drinking. I did. I loved the, it was like fun. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. Just there was in, that's the, that was what was really hard about kind of giving it up was just the, the chaos of it, the laughing, someone's falling down and just the stories the next day. And they were like, those were our you know, war stories. We went to war when you were when we were drinking and like those we wake up with battle scars and it was fun. The chaos was fun. 
you know, waking up at somebody else's house and I lost my keys. I left my keys at the bar and just like, oh, I loved it. I thought it was I thought that was freedom. Yeah, that's almost a unique line that I've read in an email from a listener, but I also track with that. I remember, yes, I want to get off merry-go-round of the addiction, but you know, life sometimes is 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 simple. Like we need we need the stress, we need the drama, mm-hmm. we need the chaos, right? Uh, so I track with that until the chaos of my life got too intense, and I said, okay, I got to quit. But then I couldn't. Okay. There's a couple other, uh, yeah, some great lines. He said, I needed to unlist in this army, right? I think this is like the battle with alcohol. And you said, I was living life on hard mode, right? A video game Absolutely. reference. I actually mm-hmm. heard that about four months ago from an interviewee. It's the second time I've heard this. You're living life on hard mode while drinking. Um, yeah, cover that. I was making life so much harder for myself than I needed it to be. And at the time, I graduated from um, college. I got my bachelor's degree in 2021 and I was I drank the whole time and I made college so much harder than it needed to be. I would drink and swear I was going to stay up, you know, late studying and then, of course, not stay up late studying and then have to wake up at five in the morning to get ready for class the next day. And this was all during covid. So and my son was in virtual kindergarten. So we were both in school online. It was just the stress was it was uh, out of this world. And I was and drinking just made it way worse. The drinking made it so much worse. I was tired all the time. So I didn't have energy to do any of the things that I was supposed to be doing. I mean, when you're hungover, you don't want to do anything. You don't want to do the things that you should be doing. You don't want to do the things that you don't want to be doing. You know, even if you... You don't want to do any fun stuff. And in, even during COVID, like, in, during COVID, we everything was shut down. But like in Washington, there's so much to do like, outside. And I didn't even want to go outside. And that was like, I mean, I know a lot of people hated COVID. But for me, like it was like, I don't have I could just sit in the house and read all day long. Like that, it, I was in heaven. But I, I didn't want to even do that. I didn't want to do anything. Like all I wanted to do was not feel like shit. And so an only thing I could think of to not feel like shit was to just keep drinking. Stephanie, I've heard this line that we're no longer drinking to feel good. We're drinking to feel normal. Would you track yeah. with that? Yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. And you're describing an almost beautiful but entirely perplexing situation an alcoholic arrives at where you're recognizing this is making life way hard, hard mode, the anxiety, the stresses with that stress that you just recalled in COVID or mentioned in COVID. That was like mm-hmm. visceral. Wow. Both of you guys are doing online education. You're hungover. Um, and so you recognize, look, this is life is way more difficult than it needs to be. Alcohol's got to go, but you can't quit. And at the beginning of this interview, you said you didn't think you'd make it this far. Did you reach that moment where you're like, I got to quit? This isn't working, but I can't quit. I don't know how. What was that like? Yeah, I did that in in 2020. When I first in 2021, I met my boyfriend and he did dry January. And I was like, why the hell would you do that? <laughs> so I tried to do dry January with him. And I was like the first it was like white knuckling the entire 30 days. It was like, it was awful. I was like this really, but I, he was doing it. So I wanted to do it. But like February 1st, I was like, I am, I drank like an entire bottle of wine and I felt terrible. Like the anxiety came right back. It was like a wave. 
of anxiety. It came right back to me. And I was like, I don't even know why I did this. Like, I don't even feel good now. And I was like right back to where I started all of 2021, just drinking and drinking. And, you know, you slowly start to build it up. And by the end of 2021, I was just not in a good place drinking, just drinking a lot back to where I was. Gotcha. With and with 2022, this is your last year of drinking mm-hmm. before this the six month run of sobriety. Was there a rock bottom moment, or was it just a, a a series of sick and tired of being sick and tired? There was actually two rock bottom moments in 2021. The day that I graduated from college, I got so unbelievably drunk. Oh my god, I don't even remember like celebrating which is so stupid. Like you did all this work to get to where you want to be. And like, you don't even remember celebrating. I woke up the morning. I had a huge scrape on my arm. I had a huge scrape on my leg. And the next day I was supposed to go out with my friends to like, we were, I had everybody take the day off and we were all supposed to celebrate me. And I couldn't even leave the fucking house. And I felt so terrible because I mean, my, my best friend, Taylor, I mean, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have been able to graduate from college because she took my son so many times just so I could study. And like, I wanted to thank her and I had her take the day off from work and she's a bartender. And like, when you take the day off from bartending, that's a lot of money that you're missing. And I couldn't even leave the house. And I felt so terrible. But Sunday I felt better and we were right back out at the bar drinking like fucking jackass. Yeah. Yeah. What was the second moment? And then my second moment was when when I woke up on January 1st in 2023, that was like it for me. Like I could not. I felt we and my really good friend, Lori, we had started. We planned this whole sushi night for New Year's Eve. We were going to make sushi and it was going to be a great night. And once again, I drank till I couldn't. I don't even remember eating sushi. I don't remember doing any of the fun stuff that we were supposed to do. And I rang in the new year and then the night is just completely black after that. When I woke up in the morning on January 1st, I was like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep doing this to myself, to my body, to my mind, the up and down, the jerking. Let me let me ask you the question where I can't keep doing this. Right. We we have all said that. And I said that to myself a couple hundred times before Mm -hmm. I quit drinking. What was different on January 1st, 2023, when you said I can't keep doing this? Because I imagine you said that line can't keep doing this to yourself Mm -hmm. internally. Oh, many, many times. Yeah. What do you what do you think was different that day? Well, before the before in like maybe December, my friend, uh, my friend had started she would be started being sober curious, I would say. And so she had stopped drinking. So I was telling everybody like, I'm going to go a hundred days in 2023, my first hundred days of 2023. I'm going to, I'm going to not drink. Cause we, you know, I, I always do the dry January with my boyfriend. So I was like, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to do a hundred days. And when I woke up on January 1st, I was just like, this can't keep this, like this can't be it. This can't be the way I wake up every single weekend and like it was like everything came together like this can't be the only thing i live for you know like there's got to be more than just drinking every weekend i gotta have more to look forward to and then for physically it was like my body was just so tired i was just really beating the hell out of myself the headaches and i had put on so much weight that i had worked so hard to get off after i had um, had my son and i just I just was doing terrible things to myself. I was not taking care of myself at all. My skin was gross. 
I was just not, I was not, it didn't look good. I didn't look good. Yeah. Okay. And so your first dry January, I think the year before was 30 days of hell, white knuckling Mm -hmm. it. How was this 30 days? Uh, And you went further, right? Yeah. This 30 days was a little bit better. I really, I dove so hard into like sobriety. Like I listened to podcasts. I listened to Recovery Elevator. I watched YouTube videos on sobriety. I was like 24-7 sobriety. I took my dog on so many walks and I just tried to keep myself as busy as possible. I did so many puzzles. I did so many puzzles. I just went to the Dollar Tree by my house and got puzzles. Me and my son played so many board games. I just tried to keep my mind busy and I journaled a lot. I wrote, I tried to write down as much as I could. Stephanie, was this the first time you said you dove into sobriety, right? Mm-hmm. Like times in the past, you just quit drinking. Um, how was that? How was, how was that different? I mean, in the past, I kind of just, I, I would just say I would dip, I dipped my toe in. I kind of just, I was there, but I was really far. I was like the nosebleed section, you know, way, way, way back. I didn't want anybody to know that I was there. And I had my hat on and sunglasses and I was way back. But this time I like really dove in there. I was just all fully in and I I couldn't I knew that it was either like this or like lose my son, lose my mm. life. It was like I had to do this or I was literally going to lose everything and I just had to do it. I had to. Stephanie, I, I can hear you getting a bit, a bit emotional there when you were left with two choices. And it sucks to be there. It's shitty. But I also think this is the purpose or a beautiful part of an addiction of what it's it's trying to do is we have two choices. I had the same thing. That choice was life or death. If you ride this thing far enough, you're going to get two choices. That's It's life or death. And you'll have a moment of clarity where it's very clear. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. I, I got two roads ahead of me. That's it. And it's so beautiful to hear you, Stephanie, that you chose life, right? Your kid was going to go. But in reality, like everything was going to go and you were on the precipice yeah. of that, not far off. And you consciously made a decision to do that. You know, how did you keep it going right after that that first 30 days? Because I know you had cravings. I know there was a voice. Ah, was it really that bad, Stephanie? Were those hangovers? Was the anxiety really that bad? How did you keep the sobriety train moving forward? Um, I really just tried to really immerse myself. I joined this group on Facebook called The Sober Cafe. And it is a the most amazing group. We everybody there is just so super supportive. It's people from all different kinds of sobriety, people who are back at day one. And there are people there that when you can just spill out all your feelings and people just kind of understand what you're talking about. When people who don't have a problem with alcohol don't get when you say, like, I really want a fucking drink. And people don't understand that, like. When me and you get it, because we're like, man, I get that. But most people, some, most people are like, well, then just have a damn drink. And you're like, I can't have a drink. You don't understand. Like, if mm-hmm. I have one drink, it turns the machine on. And now it's going. And now I just want to have 20 drinks. And I want to keep drinking for days and days and days. So I just, I really hung, got into that group and just held on for dear life. And I, at every milestone, I would post about it. And every time I got upset about something, I would post about it and people would just rally behind me and tell me that it was going to be okay and give out all their suggestions. And I just kept thinking about those hangovers. Like I just could not go back there. And I even still till this day, those two hangovers, I still remember them clear as a bell. 
And I just don't ever want to feel physically like that in my head. I just I was second guessing myself and I portray like a very confident person. But inside my head, I was not confident. I just was not strong. I second guessed myself on everything. I did not believe in myself. I didn't love myself. And and I love everybody around me, but I did not love myself. What I was doing to myself was not love. Stephanie, where are you at with loving yourself right now? I'm so much happier now. I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud of the things that I've accomplished. You know, in, in 2022, I had written a list of things, like, you know, goals for the year. And I didn't accomplish any of them in 2022. And in 2023, I did everything on that list in like the first five months. Just not drinking. It seems so stupid. It see, And now I think back and I look back at myself and I'm like, if you would have just stopped drinking, things would have been so much easier. I would have been able to do so much more. And I'm so proud of everything that I've been able. I got into grad school and I actively tried to. I applied to grad school when I was drinking and I did not get in. And when I went back and looked at those essays that I submitted, it was like, girl, these aren't even complete sentences. You are clearly this is not even acceptable for a high school student, let alone someone applying to grad school and This time around, I like really put my heart into it. I sat down. I worked with an old professor that I worked with in getting my bachelor's degree and I got in and I'm just so proud of myself. And I've lost so much weight of just not drinking and eating Taco Bell in the middle of the damn night and door dashing food that I know I've saved so much money. I've paid for three different vacations. Me and my son are going camping next weekend for a week. I've paid for it all. I'm taking my son to Las Vegas for his birthday. I've paid for all of that. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable the things that I have accomplished in six months of not drinking. I just, I can't even imagine. I could literally probably take over the world. Stephanie, there's a phrase in recovery. You you give up one thing for everything. And for what I'm hearing from what you're saying, that that lands with you. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm doing so much more now than I ever did when I was drinking. I just did yoga in the park. I um, I signed up for a ballet class. Like, I don't even take ballet. But it was like $60 for four sessions. And I was like, hell yeah, sign me up. And I'm just, I'm so much more. I want to do so much more. I'm outside so much more. I'm just so much more happy. I'm so much more relaxed. It's crazy. I used to drink to relax. And I couldn't, and it was... By the end, I could not relax without drinking. It was nuts. That's a big one right there. In the Western world, with the stresses we face today, our nervous systems are ramped up. We can't relax without alcohol. That's a big one. You have learned to relax without alcohol. That's yes. huge. Now, earlier you mentioned, I think it was Sober Cafe, a group on Facebook. There mm-hmm. are so many resources out there. I've not yet heard of that one. And it sounds cliche, but would you well, would you almost say you found your tribe? Absolutely. That is absolutely my tribe. They are amazing people. We are such a good group. And I really, I don't even know any of these people personally, but they are great. We are just such, so helpful to each other. So understanding, so forgiving, and just everyone's got advice. Everyone's so, if you have two days, everyone's like, oh my God, that's amazing. You should be so proud of yourself. Like, We've all been at two days or if you've been sober for five years and you relapse and everyone's like, it's a it's a disease. It's not your fault. Like everyone's so 
helpful, so so understanding. I've yet to see the camaraderie of sobriety in another branch. I've been part of so many teams, organizations, guilds, whatever. Um, and sobriety cuts past age, colors, uh, you know, demographics, income, whatever. Sobriety is such an intense bond or an intense glue. Okay, so Stephanie. Um, walk us through a day of your life. You're hitting six months tomorrow. Yes. yes. You know, how are you going to get six months? How are you going to get six months in one day? Um, well, every day I wake up at 430 in the morning and I take my dog for a walk and then I work out for 30 minutes. And that's like part of my routine. I have to do that. That is my thing. It gets like gets me going in the morning. It makes me feel so good. And then I really... I go to work and my regular job is kind of like just what I do to make money. It's my life really starts like after work and after work, I'm outside. I take my son to the park or where I live in Washington is around so many different beaches, not not the beach, the real beach, but the Puget Sound. And so there's about there's maybe like four or five beaches within a five minute distance driving from me. So I'm going to get to outside to paddleboard or kayak or take my dog for a super nice long walk somewhere or hike. I just try to get outside as much as possible. And then I always end my night reading some whatever book I'm reading. I try to read two books, a Kindle book and a regular analog book. So I always end my night reading and then kind of get up and do it all over again. You've covered so much, it, it's hard to cover all the value bombs you're dropping, Stephanie. But earlier, you said something. This is a feeling that I had as a child. I think most children have this as where I feel like I can accomplish anything. Earlier in the interview, you said when you removed alcohol in this six-month stretch, that feeling came back. Talk to us about that. I just feel like possibility is back. I had always had this like dark cloud over me when I was drinking, like always waiting for the other foot to drop, always waiting, like some, so many good things are happening. Something terrible is bound to happen now. And I just don't feel like that anymore. I just feel so positive. I just feel like so many things are possible now. I just, I want to do more. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I just feel like so many things are possible. The possibilities are endless. What are you going to grad school for? I'm going for library and information science because I want to be a librarian. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. What's your podcast called? Uh, what are you reading? <laughs> so what are you reading? So so what are you reading? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You're walking the walk. I love it. Uh, I wrote a podcast intro the other day and I had I had that similar line of anything is a possibility. When we're drinking, there are borders, thick concrete yes. walls that are impending. They are closing in upon us. And in sobriety, Anything is a possibility. I thought yesterday, like, you know what? I'm buying goats in Costa Rica. I'm building a trail to the ocean. I'm going to take guests on a nature walk with goats. It's going to end up on the beach in Costa Rica. What the hell is that about? Like, that's a possibility that wasn't even on the horizon or radar. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even the quantum field of possibilities when I was drinking. So whether that happens, that idea that I just described happens or not, it doesn't matter. But the cool thing is it is a possibility. Um, and let's talk about your bucket list. Like what, where do you see yourself down the road going with all of these possibilities? Um, well, my bucket list right now is to just travel. I want to travel as much as possible. I've always been like, no, I'm from a really small town in Connecticut where like almost nobody 
nobody ever leaves. Like I went to the same high school my grandma went to. Mm. So it's just a tight knit place, but I want to see as much of the world as possible. And I always thought like it wasn't possible because of money, but like if you just save your money, you can just, you can pay for it. It's possible. I just want to, I want to travel. I want to get out and see the world. And there's, and you know, it's so crazy that you just, you attract what you want in the world. Cause I had been thinking like, I want to start doing more yoga. I want to get into yoga. And on Instagram, I come across this guy and he's like, whole life yoga. We're doing yoga in the park at this park that's right by my house. And I was like, man, I want to do like yoga retreats. Like I really want to get out and do yoga. And he's like, we're going on a yoga sailing trip. And I'm like, seriously? Like how does that, you just, you attract so much more positivity when you are positive. And when you're, when I was drinking, my world was just so small is, Every weekend, like I knew what I was going to do. I was going to go to the bar and I was going to drink and then I was going to come home and I was going to go to work and I was going to get out of work and I was going to go to the bar. And I was, you know what I mean? Like, but now I'm like, it's Friday. I'm like, what am I going to do this weekend? Where am I going to go paddle boarding? What am I going to, you know, we could do this or we could do that. It's just, there's so much more to life than drinking your life away. And it's, that's not freedom. You think I could just drink as much as I want and I could and I'm free to do what I want. And that's you're not free. Alcohol is so caging. That is not freedom at all. Stephanie, it sounds like you confirmed those internal questions earlier. There has to be more to this. There has to be more to life than yes. this. And and from what I'm hearing from you, what I read in your email and I'm hearing from you, absolutely. The transformation has been profound. And I see, I see no reason that's going to stop. I got one more question for you before we hit the rapid fire round. What's what would be advice to your younger self? Um, my younger self would be just do it. Don't be afraid. Keep pushing. I know it's hard now, but just I I wish I would have started when I did my first dry January. I wish I would have stuck with it and kept going because it's hard. Those first thirty days are hard, and you feel like you're missing out on so much. But you're really not because you know what? I've gone back to that bar that I used to drink at and those people that I used to drink with are still sitting there. They're not they haven't done anything different. They're telling the same stories about how they got drunk and fell down the stairs or broke something and just keep pushing, keep going. That's that's I would just keep going. Stephanie, we have reached the rapid fire round. In 10 to 30 seconds. Are you ready? I am. All right. What's the one thing you've learned about yourself in sobriety? I can do it. Like I'm things are so possible. Like you can do anything. Yeah, you are empowered. Number two, what is your favorite sober moment? Getting into grad school. I'm just so proud of myself. I can't believe that I did that. Like I'm really when I didn't get in the first time, I knew it was because I was drinking. And like getting in this time around, it just proves like you can do anything if you stop drinking. Yeah, congrats with that. What's your favorite alcohol-free drink? Kombucha. I love kombucha. Oh my God, it's so good. There's so many different flavors and it's really good for your gut. It's good for your gut health. Yeah. Yeah. What's the point of life, Stephanie? To go see the world. Get out there. There's, I feel like so many people are stuck in there. Everyone thinks they're in a small town. Get out and see the world. Meet people. Talk to people from other cultures, other other nationalities. You got to mix it up. Favorite musical group? The, probably, I would say, maybe the Spice Girls. I love the Spice Girls. Yeah. All right. I was I used to be a wedding DJ, and that was my go-to. Yeah. I love the Spice Girls. Uh, what are some of your favorite recovery resources? 
definitely the Sober Cafe. I love that that Facebook group. Um, and definitely Recovery Elevator. But just any kind of sober podcast. Sober Awkward's a good podcast. Um, just any type of... There's a good... Um, youtube page called getting sober dot 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 again with jay and he's just talks about he's documented his entire journey of getting sober and has a lot of good tips on there so definitely social media there's so much so much bigger than aa now we're not it's not just not knocking aa but there's just so much more so many more resources and i want to clarify uh, confirm with me on this sober cafe is not cafe re correct no it's okay. called the, it's called the sober cafe on gotcha Facebook. i just want to make a, a so listeners will know that yeah there's sober mm-hmm. cafe and then two different things okay um next question if you had a pet parrot what would you name it genevieve love it mm-hmm. pineapple on pizza no <laughs> All right, we, we can continue. Uh, what parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners? I would say if alcohol is impacting you in a negative way, just take it out for 100 days and see. I feel like 30 days is a good start. But if you take it out for 100 days, just see. You can always, no one's saying you can't go back, but just try it and see. And I'm, I promise you won't want to go back. I, you will not want to go back. I promise. Yeah, why would you, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before we depart, Stephanie, give listeners your own you might need to ditch the booze if line. Um, you might need to ditch the booze if you uh, wake up in the morning with just m- several mysterious scrapes and scratches on your body that you have no idea how they got there. Yeah, no miss those battle scars. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> We've all got them. That checks out for sure. Stephanie, thank you for coming on the Recovery Elevator podcast. Good luck with grad school. If sobriety is your your co-pilot, you're going to be just fine. Tell your son hello. Uh, I hope he hears this interview one day. You're kicking major butt. Great job, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. Now, I moved this segment from the intro to the end because it's not fully black and white, but here goes. If you're not ready to quit drinking, None of the information we covered today will land. If you are ready to quit drinking, it doesn't matter what we cover. I could have talked about sea turtles for the past 50 minutes, and you'd be like, yeah, brother, I hear you, solid gold. Another asterisk while listening to this podcast is to focus on the similarities and not the differences. Now, when you are ready to quit drinking, you will consciously and unconsciously focus on the similarities. Okay, got a good story for you before we end. A couple months ago, I was having a rough day. We all have them. And part of recovery, sobriety, all that stuff is to get outside your own head and be of service. Perhaps do something that will make somebody else's life better. So during this day of discomfort, I said to myself, you know what? I am going to write a song for my friend's son who has autism. And that's what I did for the next couple hours. Went over to my buddy's house uh, and he told his son, he said, hey, come on out to the patio. Paul wrote a song for you. Right when I strummed the first chord, it was a beeline back inside. We get my friend's son back on the patio, start the song again. It's tears, it's fighting, it's punching. He wants nothing to do with it. And before my ukulele connected with the railing, I heard a voice saying, relax, Paul, nothing is under control. All is fine and all will be well. Recovery Elevator, I love you guys. All is fine and all will be well.